Welcome to Tell Me Something Good Podcast. Uh, I'm Tori Bates. I've got uh, Summer Joy Scott, a.k.a. Summer J in the building with Summer J here, Summer J. We have the pleasure today um, in episode two of this season of bringing a giant of a man into FTK Studios with us. We've got Commissioner Charlie Caswell with us. How are you, Commissioner? Good, good. I hope Obama was episode one. <laughs> 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 you came in straight fire, huh? Yes, sir. So, so since you straight fire, how about we just hop right to it? Just get warmed up real quick. Yes, cool? sir. Uh, so would you rather seafood or soul food? Soul food. Okay. Would you rather um, coffee or cold drink? Cold drink. Okay. Uh, would you rather a vacation um, out of the country or would you rather a family reunion where you could bring all your family all together? family reunion okay mm-hmm. um would you rather uh be mayor or governor president <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's i hit you one. i hit you with that yeah, one you honey. took me too low <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say you in ambassador no. <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Yes, sir. Pleasure um, to be here. I think that, um, you know, that there are quite a few people who know who you are, but there are a lot of people who do not. Yeah. Right? Um, similar to For the Kingdom, you've kind of been a, a very well-kept secret, mm. right, to, to just really Frazier, right, where Frazier knows you as the mayor of Frazier. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I don't think our city and our world really, really knows who you are and where you've come from. So I would just love to start with just... Uh, um, I know you, you're into politics, so I'll just say brief one time, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But uh would love for you to share briefly just about um, your upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, for those who are out there listening again, thank y'all for having me on the show today is that I grew up here in Memphis and uh, 1975, born and raised in Memphis and grew up in the Dixon Home Projects, uh, projects over in North Memphis, right across from Labonte Hospital, for those who don't know, on Poplar, okay. across from the VA Hospital. Uh, but it was a rough project, as many of our communities growing up, especially around our time, because crack cocaine came on the scene. Big family, 17 brothers and sisters. Wow. Ten of us lived there in the house. Dad had the other seven around. Uh, and but it was a blessing because we had many times of coming together. So when you talk about having a family reunion, that's that's a choice for me because I got a big family. Okay. But I grew up at the time, 14 years old, when drugs was on the scene. One of my brothers was caught up in there. And now God has blessed him. After he spent 10 years in prison, uh, was a big drug dealer, was the, one of the kingpins in the neighborhood. Had two of my friends one year working for him. And I saw witness a drug deal go bad with one of them, shot in the chest. We sat there and witnessed that. But here you lose, I lose one friend death and the other friend now gone spending 10 years in prison next year witness another one of my friends shot in the head so growing up with that childhood trauma right off the bat right as a young person in that project was something that was uh, hard for me and kind of i could say led to a lot of what i do right now one day walking through the apartments uh, one of the guys jumped out to his car grabbed one of my friends by the hand 14 put the gun to my head he said if you run i'm gonna shoot you because i know who you are because i was the guy go around collecting and and so the friend took off running and he pulled the trigger and the gun didn't go off. Mm. When my brother and them came running around the corner, he running, turned back, pow, the gun goes off. And so I know that day I supposed to have been dead if it was left up to the devil, but I knew God had an assignment on my life. Okay. And from that, I really can say that it have impacted what I am and what I do today because helping other children and families come through adversities and trauma is something that I had to overcome because I remember friends oftentimes said, Chuck, we dead or in jail in these apartments. We ain't getting out of here. And so I took that as motivation. 
And I began to run with it. 17 years old, started the car wash out the trunk of my car, two years out of the trunk of my car. Two years later, I owned the dealership that I went on to become a lot man and was in the car dealership business up until 2008. And where I received a call and really into the community development work, became executive director for Rangeline Community Development in Frazier. Frazier Rangeline. Yeah, okay. that, yeah, right there in the Frazier community. And that really led to uh, just God just really putting me on track. I okay. had to say, God, look here. It, it's, I know that you got something greater for me to do. And I didn't know nothing about community development work, but I knew about building people. Sure. And that was my focus more so on housing. It was how we build people that build the community. And that kind of moved me into becoming senior pastor a few years late, eight years later of okay. Union Grove Baptist Church. And then I stepped down three years into that. And I found out that I was in the position, but not in my purpose. And I founded Legacy of Legend Community Development Corporation with a focus on mitigating the diverse childhood experience and building vision-based communities. Okay. And that rolled right into where I'm at now as now I'm the chairman of the board. I stepped down six months ago when I became uh, elected as the county commissioner, District 6. Wow. Yeah. Whew, I did all that without even breathing. Yeah. My guy is uh, that's a flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are bars. Yeah, though. yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's back up just a little bit in yeah. there. I mean, I heard a, a lot of questions that I had come up as you were you were sharing with us, um, just your upbringing. So you were raised in the house with your mom, not your dad. Yeah, with mom, and but we spent the weekend over dad. Okay, until my daddy died. I guess around I was seventeen, eighteen. But he was sick all of my life. He was okay. on dialysis, his kidneys. So I remember even as a teenager when I first got my first car, having the gold days three every three days, taking him to dialysis and stuff like that. So, okay, yeah, but I had a good relationship with my dad. So how did you? What was? I mean, it sounds like obviously the Russian roulette with the gun, right? Yeah, um, was a. Uh, uh, you realized then that you were a walking miracle. Mm. But what was it that I, I've heard you mention God a lot, right? Yeah. Just even in our opening, what was it that brought you to this this faith in God? Did you have a God experience? Was yeah. there a moment where you, you know, walked an aisle, said a prayer? What yeah. was it that what brought you to God that you're so sounding? You sound so unashamed about your yeah. faith. Oh, man. You know, my mother had us deeply rooted in the growing up, going to church. And I remember many days watching televangelists on TV and one and had an out of body experience. One night I was uh, laying on the floor, probably eight, nine years old. And all I seen myself floating, speaking in tongues. And so I knew then something was on me. And, and right following that was getting to a place that the enemy was coming for me. Like I was hearing voices and stuff. Right. And so I found myself reading the Bible and just really studying it as a young child because I was like, I know these devils. I was, I'm hearing telling me your daddy gonna die and all of these things and you know to see later he did but it was like God yet prepared me for when it came and so I knew I had a calling but you know yet you still you young you running from that calling you know I didn't even say you know because of all of those traumatic experience I dropped out in the 10th grade you know and to be here right now today where I'm training PhDs because I went back and got my GAD with the GOD on the inside of me right <laughs> oh, and so you understand <laughs> Understand that I understood it was God all the time that okay. kept me because people were like, how he doing all of this uh, when he don't have but this? Okay. But I had God, you know, and yeah. so it was early that I saw myself going to those heights despite all the trauma that I was dealing with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Mm. Mm. Wow. So did you, was it 
around you all your life though as well like growing up within a spiritual home yeah. grandmothers hmm. to mother was that also something that kind of laid the foundation for you yeah it was and my grandmother had a big role in there but also uh community uh mm -hmm. for those who don't know memphis you know we have a former police director tony armstrong his grandmother they grew up right behind us and tony armstrong was one of those people who became a mentor in my life as a as a, as a young person like i'm not gonna let you end up dead in jail his grandmama used to come knock on that door Chuck going to church with me Sunday hmm. and she made sure I got on that bus and went to church and so having people like that early in my life when I talk about being above my years I, I hanged around the older people and because I seen they seen something in me when I didn't know what was on the inside of me. And it sounds like even though the community was uh was was a mix of both violence and you know drugs which obviously addiction mm -hmm. right it's there Still sounds like the community you were in was uh, was just that a village, a, village. a community, yeah. Where even in spite of all of that, there was still love that existed there that helped yeah. young men like you at the time, right, find yeah. a home outside of your home. Yeah, and it's good, you know. The thing is that people in every community, you got good people, right? Sure. You, you you don't have bad just across and boy, even though it was tough in those communities, but you had those ones who wanted to get out and know they could. And they saw the ones who wanted to get out and they and they reached out for us, you know. I mean, she took many of us to to the to the uh, church, but many times, now some of them just wanted to turn to that street. And, and sadly, even as I became pastor, and I had to bury some of those friends. Mm. Well, getting called at two in the morning, one who just shot somebody in the head at his house, and then three days later, his brain blown out, mm. and having to preach his funeral. You know, it's mm. always it's just I saw it growing up, and I like what we had to mirror. Many times was that valley, but what I had to mirror was that resilience of those people who knocked on that door and sure. said he going to church sure. or Tony Armstrong calling the boys club after they left the neighborhood to go to a game to say come back and pick him up he going too and so for me that's what I see somebody who can go back and pick them up because somebody came to pick me up mm. so, yeah mm. mm -hmm. wow yeah um I, I get man I'm speechless <laughs> like uh, I think that I've heard so much already that I didn't know about you, mm. right, as a man, and just you sharing that story. I, I can hear, uh, which we'll talk about later, but I can hear stories of heroes, mm. people who's, you know, never probably made a Time magazine or even a Daily Miffian like you have mm. or have been interviewed on national broadcasts, but mm. definitely um, dug deep wells in the hood in order to make sure that young men like you uh, didn't thirst, yeah. essentially, spiritually. And that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Obviously, as you know, our community... Um, is real silent, mm -hmm. right? As it comes to that, right? There's, there's been a generation of where there's been a real fall off. Yeah. Um, you being from Memphis, right? Growing up here, you having chose 901 mm -hmm. after going to Atlanta and coming yeah. back. What would you say is leading to such a, a deficit in our communities right now? Yeah. Well, you, it's a, it's a, couple of factors, right? It's just the normal normalizing death, right? It was a time mm -hmm. and it still is. Like I see people and I get a call, I got a call this morning that one young man just died here on New Orleans in the car wreck. And and so when the mother reached out to me, it's like I feel I feel the empathy, but you know, it's like 
can't shed a tear because it's been too normal. And I think the normalizing of seeing death on the regular and feeling no hope, like where, where are we going to go? Hearing what I heard when that young man said, Chuck, we either dead or in jail. That's what you're hearing that we, you know, where you see these young men that started the club, the 21 club, that basically said we ain't going to even make it to 21. I think the hopelessness of not being able to get out of here is one thing, but I think some of the dynamics of just not seeing the real investments in them, in them, in the schools and the communities like they should, it, it makes people not want to really thrive like they sh like work, thrive for what going world. Right. And and that's where you got to have uh, what you all do here at For the Kingdom and organizations that reach back to these young folks and say you can run your own broadcast. You can uh, have your own show, but no one is really showing them that type of uh, uh Impact. I didn't see it much in my mm -hmm. community. The boys and girls, the boys, just the boys club when I was growing up, that played a factor uh, for me too because they showed me some opportunities, whether it was doing stuff in the science lab or things that I never thought I could do in arts and what have you. So I think, you know, it's just what they normalizing and seeing every day, the hopelessness and, and things like that, I think plays a factor in people giving up and not really want to thrive for what? And that's what I'm hoping that being somebody that's upstream now that can be able to put in place and push policies and push resources where they wasn't. And and again, I say it's never too late because people didn't know owning my dealership and did all that. I didn't get my GED till I was 30. Hmm. Wow. Right. It wasn't no three, four years later. It was 30 <laughs> so years old. So you dropped old. out of school? I dropped out of school in 10th grade. Okay. Why? Was it the older brother? Was it the It was the fact that fast money, what was it? It was the fact that coming up, I knew I wanted to get in because I because I sat in places in because I was the counter of the money. And I sat there and with machines counting hundreds of thousand dollars. And here I'm going to a school to teach me how to do, get paid seven dollars an hour at the so it wasn't adding up one. And then two, I had already got two grades behind because again, you got to think about it. I'm going to school, not with, thinking about the teacher saying, where well, your number two pencil. I'm thinking about that dead body. I watched later for three hours and when they turned them over, his insides came out. This is no counseling, no thing. Only thing I can do is smoke my way to keep this out of my preview. And so there was no coping. So there was no hope. And, and all I did was, you know, many times was smoke dope. And then I became the guy selling. And I tell you, when it came down to that 10th grade year, I'm selling weed in school. And one day, a guy outside my classroom said, uh, man, Charlie, why are you selling my girl that weed? She spent our last $10. Not knowing the teacher standing right there at the door. But the teacher, her husband, was a lieutenant on the police department. Later that evening, I go to my locker. My locker busted into and everything pretty much is gone. And so at that point, I'm like, I ain't coming back for what? That's English. You fail English, it's over with. So I was coming to school, but I wasn't going to English. So I was like, okay, it's over. So that year I turned 18 that summer, I got a job and then looked back, started that car wash and kept going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, so all of that businessman, entrepreneur, uh, man that understands the streets. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in politics? <laughs> it was all <laughs> politics. <laughs> it was that was that what it was. It was a dumb. It was a ripple effect. I had something my pastor, uh, former pastor Ricky Floyd, still spirit father to me, told me he said Chuck, just watching your life, it's about dots connecting, and it was like dots was connecting. It was the the thing was I asked God for answers many times. He gave me darkness, and so he gave me a problem. 
And so what it was, he said, you are the answer. And so many times when I we asked for a solution, it was another problem, you know. And so God helped me see that you got the ability to come through this. Why? You're going to need this to help somebody else out of it. And so once I got to a place in politics to, to run, to even think about running for office, I ran a lot of people. I've been involved. And since 2000, when I moved to Atlanta, the former senator who became our governor heard about me, that I had a lot of influence in the streets and community. He was paying me $750 a week to come back to Memphis to organize community events. He became governor. And I, and one day I'm sitting there in his one of the meetings in Nashville, and there wasn't nobody but two looked like me. All the rest of them looked like Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and when I heard them say, those politicians in Shelby County only looking out for themselves. When they come up here, they're not asking for really, and that kind of hit me. So I came back and I asked one of our state representatives, I said, what are y'all asking for? What, what is it? Well, you know, the people ain't saying nothing. I'm like, hold up. You the representative, like you, you the chief of the people. Right. You supposed to you we what you you are for? the people once you get there, right? And then he started one. He would start telling me about studies they were doing. I said, okay, we ain't getting to the real root of what mm -hmm. the problem is. So I watched this for almost twenty some years, figuring I wasn't ready. Because again, you got to understand, didn't have my GD. But in Atlanta, God had spoke to me. I'm talking about in the dream. It was clear, and there were so many factors that connected to that dream that made me move back to Memphis. I heard you're gonna be mayor of the city. Didn't make sense. Didn't have a GED. Mm. Like, what city? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I come back, and then now I'm here. I found myself in the community development space. Now I found myself writing a book, How to Become More Visible, Vulcan, Vibrant to Your Community, working with the seven Ps, communicating, collaborating, connecting, right? And I'm like, okay, the dots are starting to add up. That people, you know, that, that, that old saying, people say, uh, master uh, of many. Many, but... Uh, What's how you say uh You're a master of many, uh, but not dang, good at many, but not the master of anything. Right. Something like but that. But uh, it goes on to say, oftentimes, better than the master of one. The mm -hmm. master of, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I say you're a master of many things, uh, but not good at one. Uh, but it's oftentimes better than the Very person. Massive. Because now I got principals that call me to connect them with the pastors, connect them with the police, connect them with the politician. I got police calling me to connect them with the person because I built those, I mastered those relationships mm -hmm. and connections and collaborations that now that master of education or that policeman or that politician now need that uh, that 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 support right and that person and they found you to be there. So I, I thank God that I understood that if I went upstream with what I was doing downstream, we wouldn't see as many kids being tossed down the river going through the trauma that they were going through. Because I always said if you go to the bridge and get the troll that's throwing the children off the bridge, mm -hmm. you can solve the problem. So I'm I'm on the bridge now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sound like a, a extension cord. Yeah. That's what you sound like. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the outlet because you know all of our power come from one place. But yeah. being that extension cord to be able to extend um, and be that connector for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you definitely mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And 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 it's important that you understand your assignment. At the end, at the end of the day, God sent you here for a purpose. If you're operating in that, I don't. You know, I, I give God all the glory, all the credit. Mm -hmm. But I. I'm the ambassador. And and as an ambassador, you supposed to have that authority. So I go in the room with the mayor. I don't go in there as seeing him as the high. We both got an assignment. Mm -hmm. I may be in an assignment at this capacity, you at this, but we here to do what God sent us here to do. Mm -hmm. And if we make that mm -hmm. our focus, game change. So do you think 
Do you think politics is the answer? I think it's a answer. I think the politics, working with the 7P, the pastor, the police, parent, principal, proprietors, all in unison, the village, we all, he said, we all have one faith, one baptism, one, one baptism yeah. and bringing unity. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's when we can bring them all in unity, and I understand that because I understand the seven mountains of influence. Politics is one mountain. And so he said the government should be upon his shoulders. But who is willing to get there in that place that gives him the glory at that place that that we can connect with the, the partners of the community, hmm. the, the, the media of the community, and bring the message of who he is and why we here together. And and sometimes we look at why you ain't really the answer, that ain't really the answer. He the answer, I am. And if you're looking at he, I am, healing is. It ain't, I have to hope God going to heal me. I am right. And that's what I understand that this government, I am in government because I am sent me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that name Yahweh, right. That name Yahweh. I am that I am. I yeah. am. Um, I am a healer. Yeah. I am a financial advisor. I am right. Yeah. I am the one who sends. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's often the time good. we looking, but it's eels. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say in that regard is your plan for success? I mean, obviously, with the foundation being Yahweh, what do you see being in the seat you're in right now as commissioner? How long do you have in that seat? Mm -hmm. And what do you see as your plan of success that makes you maybe different than some who've been in the seat before? Yeah. And maybe similar in other ways, you know? Yeah, I don't limit God. You know, <laughs> even when he said mirror, I didn't see it as just a, of a city. It can be mirror of a region, mirror of a, you know, he got his ways, right? His his kingdom come. To that point is, I know that we serve four-year terms. Okay. Uh, and you got two terms to serve. So if I chose to go 2026, then I run again in 2026 and they go to 2030. And, and from that, and like right now, God gave me favor. Four, three months ago, I went to D.C. and we're part of the NACO, that's the National Organization of Black uh, County Commissioners, and they appointed me chaplain for the whole country, all 3,000 uh, commissioners, right? Wow. And so I was well, just You had, must have prayed your prayer, brother. You must have prayed, <laughs> prayed. You must have prayed your prayer. Yes, sir. And I, you know, just walking in that call, and the guy saw it on me while we was having dinner that night, the guy who's over it and said, man, I need you to open up in prayer tomorrow, right? And when he did, he announced it when I walked on the stage, the new national ch uh, chaplain, right? And so uh, I was just talking to one of the of our former chairman who was in my office today of county commission, and he's on the national board. And he said, Charlie, I see what you're doing here in other cities all across the country, bringing seven Ps together, that framework of that work. And so really, if I had it to believe God for it, it is that in all these cities, we bring this framework of bringing unity to our communities through seven Ps working together. So what God got out of there, I don't know. <laughs> So you would see your superpower as being a connector. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. The ability to bring all these groups together. Yeah. I mean, we just had a meeting yesterday um, that you were that you brought together churches, yeah, nonprofit organizations, 
right? You yeah. brought together a few of those peas in one room. Yeah. So that you were showing it, displaying that you're a man of the people. Right? Yeah. You you can't say what the people need if you're not talking to, to the, the people. people. Yeah. So I just I salute you for that. Yeah. And that's not the first time I've seen you do it. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I just did it in Nutbush with the Hispanic community. And they were like, no elected official really never sit down to hear our voice because you look at the numbers where they only 4% or whatever to vote. But I said, no, you the people. If we don't take care of here, it ripples into other communities. And so, yeah, just having that hard for the people, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the seven Ps. What is, if you want to speak a little bit on that framework, what is... For the people that don't know, people yeah. that aren't in those rooms, yeah. what is it? So, so around 2008, when I became the executive director of uh, Rangeline Community Development Corporation, I was under Pastor Ricky Floyd and Frazier, and we sit down and we're having this discussion. He said, the pastors are the answers, and I was saying, the politicians are the answers. <laughs> I know I become a politician, right, 10 years later. Well, have been 12 years later. Uh, but and then we said, well, really, the parents, the pastors, the police, the politics. So in that room, me and Pastor Floyd said these this is the answer to bring unity to community. So a couple of weeks later, we held a panel of those seven P's on that panel. And from that, they appointed me the executive director over Rangeline community, who was a, a elder, elderly gender, who was the president, said, man, we need you to run this organization. You can bring these people together. And we did. And so from that, we began to work. And so the model of that work was we began to see unity in our community. What we seen as outcomes was even uh, 2016, when you seen the highest murder rate in, in the city, 228 murders, Raleigh Frazier had the highest, 36 of them. A lot of them was gang retaliation. We began to work together. Churches put down that ego. It was basically stop pointing fingers. We had the pastor saying it was the parents' problem. The parents saying it was the principal problem. The principal saying police problem, politician. So we said, everybody sit at the table and let's ask the question, how are our children? When we start focusing on that, we saw a 72% reduction in kids in Riley Frazier going to Austin Peay, going to jail for the top 10 incidents in this community. Why? Because mm -hmm. we began the youth assessment center model, right? We began actually referring kids who was solved some of these murders and trauma to mental health providers instead of to a jail. So we started to ask the question, what happened to them instead of what was wrong with them? And that really birthed out of me around that 2016 time, the understanding of adverse childhood experience and what that meant because I was this 40 year old man at the time uh, yet still when my wife say something about bust, wash the dishes bust the hole in the wall right because my mother would take a stench cord and wrap around me for not washing dishes so mm. what I heard was my mm. mama saying wash these dishes and this at this point it's not freeze mode it's not flight mode it's mm -hmm. fight mode right and so understanding that that what we were seeing in our community was many people acting out on that trauma in all factions, uh, because they never dealt with what happened to them. So that's what seven P's is, is that let's have that conversation, come together, and then build that village for our community. Mm. Yeah, That's good. That's real good. Mm -hmm. um, I've never heard you explain it like that. Yeah. It, it would take two preachers in a room to make the seven all start with a P though. With a P, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh -huh. yeah, that, and that's why I said when I wrote the book, communicate, collaborate, and connect with the principal, there pastor, police, politician. <laughs> three, yeah. three, three points C, in a poem, huh? Three C's and the seven P's. <laughs> um, so question, when it comes to the seven P's and looking for the, uh, essentially the answers and the solutions for our young people's lives, mm -hmm. um, how often are the young people invited into those rooms to really speak on? Yeah. If those seven Ps 
are we missing any piece for them or different things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and oftentimes people say that, right? So mm -hmm. where's the positions at or the <laughs> psychiatrist at, right? But the principals really represents the, the school, the pearls. Mm. They all embodies that. The pastors re represents the layman's and all that embodies that. The police is the district attorney and all that embodies that, right? Mm -hmm. So we was just in the meeting last week with a hundred and some kids over at Bridges where we're listening to all kids from all 13 districts. So we're in each part of the model framework, we bring in two periods to sit on that body with the seven Ps. So mm -hmm. those two are 16 through 24 year olds who bring in that voice to what they're dealing with now and what they see that we need to address with the youth voice mm -hmm. at the table. But also in that part of the model that we're doing for the county is we have to have, I want each district to hold their own teen summit where the kids are bringing that information. Matter of fact, I sat down a couple of times since the budget season to ask kids like, what is it that we're missing? What do we need to be focused on? I know because I got six children of my own, mm -hmm. three that's still in middle school and high school. And I know from what wasn't given to my kids, why some of them, the older ones, have some of the depression and some issues that they're dealing with. Mm. So we don't want to repeat this cycle because we failed to address. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, youth voices are very much uh, asked to be at this table because we know that we can't move forward unless we look at what's coming behind us mm -hmm. and how we pass the torch. I'm big on that because even as I went into office, I didn't see how we passed. Or when I became a pastor, I didn't really see the torch being passed. It's like we hold on to power until we end it, and then nobody come to build it. They got to start it all over again. It's uh, it's funny you say that. Like in in most, especially African American communities, um, in all seven categories of the P's, we miss our exit. Mm -hmm. Right, especially at the leadership level, we we miss our exit. Like you said, we hold on even to the point of squeezing the life out of organizations, mm -hmm. right, for the sake of that power. Yeah. Because we've never been taught what secession looks like. Secession feels like loss mm -hmm. in, in most regards, right? Like that you failed, that you finally moved on, and it wasn't because of a health issue or mm -hmm. anything of that nature, right? Yeah. And so I, you, you bring up a solid point there. I mean, I look around Raleigh and Frazier, and there are uh, more— more churches and gas stations, mm -hmm. right? So I guess in that regard, what would you say, what does what does someone sitting in your seat or what does a leader in a community, what, is, what does he or she need to possess mm -hmm. in order to be successful? Yeah, the ability to train up the, uh, the, the next generation and be able to position them to come on. I, I, I say this, I don't just talk it. Uh, I just stepped down from an organization that I helped build 2016, started it to where I got chancellors of universities calling and saying, we want you here. You know, governors had me keynote speaker. I could have stayed on that. But guess what? When I transitioned to this position, I transitioned the power to my 24, 25 year old daughter who's now running that organization with a 60,000 square foot building, who's building a performing arts center, art gallery. I stepped down as a pastor of a 60,000 square foot build to get back out here in the position. Why? Because somebody else God had for that season to go. So we have to be able to say, to show that, that transition of power. And when I did that, God took me higher, right? Mm. 
And, and, and so when we understand that we sometimes uh, lock ourselves in because we're trying to hold on. I don't know if y'all heard this old story about the monkey uh, uh, get put his hand in a jar. And he grabbed the nuts and then it was locked in a cage and they was trying to cut his head off. And all he had to do to get away was open his hand. But he wouldn't open his hand because he had his hands on the nuts. And that's where a lot of our people are. They got their hands on something. They won't open their hands so God can put something else in it mm. and they won't get away. So they're getting cut off with what they got instead of expanding to the capacity that God has for them. So you got to think about pastoring. I was pastoring over probably 100 people. Now God has made me. He said, you'll be fruitful. Now I'm over 76,000 citizens in our community and 960,000 over body with 13 of us to make a decision over $1.5 billion budget when my budget was at zero. (laughs) Tell the Lord, thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You're a real brother, huh? Man, that's God, man. <laughs> um, what would you say? Who who's your who's your heroes? Give yeah. us two or three two or three people that you would you would name as your heroes. Yeah. And and I, I think foremost, if I go back just growing up and what I heard about him and, and just seeing uh was Dr. King was one that I seen that was willing to lay all of it down for us to have, you know. Uh, the freedom that we have today to be able for me to sit here, even in the city of Memphis where he died, to be an elected official to speak truth to power like I am because of what he did. So I saw that earlier. Then I can go on to people like Tony Armstrong, who I saw one day when he made a bus and the other cops was like, my brother had said my brother had drugs on him. But Tony showed up in court and said, no, he had money. He had no, he went against his own officers, his other officers mm. to speak truth to power. And so I saw that and could respect him at that. And a lot of people say, why you got so much respect for the police? Because police came for me to make sure I won. And the police spoke truth to power. When that, that's what I saw growing up. And then people like my pastor Ellis and pastor Ricky Floyd is people that saw something good in me, even when I didn't really see it in myself, because you got to understand, like I said, just six years ago, I really came to the understanding of my aces, even though I've been a minister for almost 20 years, I was ministering out of my pain without really my understanding or really the call that was on my life. Right. Heal people, heal people, hurt people, hurt people. And I couldn't really build until I got healed. And from there, nothing but God. And I and I give a shout out to my hero, my wife, my my oh, Teresa, who I'm with, it. because uh, I can say this for a woman to be with me 16 years, <laughs> and she came from out of uh, Decatur, Illinois, zero aces, came down here and met a man out the projects with eight aces. She had some hell, right? <laughs> but she she and she saw something in me. She said, "When from the time we met on the altar at the Pursuit of God Church, 2008." God said to her that I was going to be her husband. Watch this here. She walked out the door, called Pastor Ricky Floyd and said, God just spoke to me and said that Chuck going to be my husband. I didn't talk to her. She got up, left. I walked out the door after prayer later that afternoon, called Pastor and said, man, you know I like light-skinned women. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, but man, God told me Teresa going to be. He said, you ain't finna believe this. She yeah, neither just one of called y'all, me. Neither one of y'all was praying. We were okay. praying. <laughs> we were praying. <laughs> Both we were like, looking over yes, at each other. Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> he said, tell the Lord, thank you. He was like, thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's what it was. That's probably what it was, Lord. But I, 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 that's probably what it was, but that's what we heard. That's what you heard. Yeah, wow. so, man, we've been married 16 years, so. Mm-hmm. Like, salute, salute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, marriage is work. Yeah. You know? And you got to be a hero. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for Absolutely. both sides. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, be encouraged by the work each other do for themselves yeah. that ends up making for a better couple. A better couple. And that's strong because, you know, I think about it, me and my wife talk about it. And I said, baby, you know what you brought to me? So her mother and dad was married for 40 years. Mine probably 40 days. Right? <laughs> like, and, and so she comes from out of that stable. Yeah. I came from out. So I, I told her as many days I left the house and not knowing if I was going to make it back. Mm. So I have another level of faith. And she came out of this structure. So she was on her job, University of Tennessee, getting her doctorate and all of this. And you and married man with a GED, right? Didn't even have it. I got a GED expired by her, going out to her PhD. And, and, and so when we started looking at the balance of it, she started saying, baby, you know what? God put me with you to step out on faith. She did two years ago, started the Caswell Group Driving, driving School, yeah. and now it's blown up. She's <laughs> left her job stable, and now, you know, but that's the risk that I tell. I said, baby, no risk, no reward. The higher the risk, the higher the rewards. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, you preaching. Yeah. So, so being such a well-seasoned man, not only through life, but in the walk with Christ, in the walk of your faith, um, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Yeah. Hmm. Slow, slow your aces down. <laughs> <laughs> slow your adverse childhood experiences down, right? Uh, don't get into flight mode. It, it's it's going to come. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would say it, I tell my babies now at 25 and the ones at 14 and 15, like, hey, it's a foundation here that, man, y'all can kill the game for the next. I, we didn't have, I didn't have this. But, you know, because I'm all I knew was the, the drugs and the hustle. But y'all see business. Y'all see. So don't let. And, and, and two, I'll tell myself that, you know, this too shall pass. A lot of it, I thought, like, just live any kind of way because there's no way I'm going to survive this. Uh, especially if you ain't got the education, especially if you come from out the projects and these are your friends. Uh, but now, you know, I see God like, man, like showing me how all of those things help. And I can sit down with in any room, whether I'm in the boardroom or in the, at the, at, at, in the streets mm -hmm. and talk the lingo because I came through that thing. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, so being someone that... Um, <laughs> hasn't always been a truster of politicians. Mm -hmm. um, being a barber for so many years, right? Being able to really be hands-on with so many people in the community and essentially a lot of brothers. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to say it's encouraging to see someone up close and personal that is in that politician mm -hmm. or political realm yeah. and to see someone that is as real as you mm -hmm. and that this isn't something that... Um, is only shown when a camera or a mic is on yeah. like to see how you show up for us mm -hmm. and and just what you do with uh for the kingdom in yeah. our neighborhoods mm -hmm. um and to really see that you're walking that real walk yeah. as much as you're talking that real talk i could tell someone when i first met someone that someone had something against them politicians that <laughs> like, i wasn't even elected yet remember we went to lunch she was to stand you up and <laughs> someone like called me like look here we thought hear people talk that talk <laughs> They walk, they walk. It ain't just politicians. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. Mm -hmm. And But I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I had a, a problem with the word politician on the front end. I'm like a public servant. But mm -hmm. something God showed me something. I think Miles Monroe spoke of it years ago. He talked about the, the word politician coming out of the Greek language. And basically that politician 
was chief of the people. And I understand that people calling me mirror before I was even the mirror. I'm just working in the community. They're basically, they say chief, like mm -hmm. you speak for us, you speak with us, you speak how we want to speak, but we don't know how to speak truth to the power, don't know the powers to speak to. Mm -hmm. And so now being that person, I take it as an honor that the people, the Indians of our tribe called District 6 felt the need uh, uh, to see me as that chief in this season and that I can be able to fight for them and know that if we don't fight in this together. And I say this so often, I say it's only 13 of us on that body. It's 960,000 citizens. Like if we don't go out here and get the seven P's to work mm -hmm. in together, we ain't going to meet the needs. We behind. And we cannot continue to do business as usual if we're going to change this city for the better or what we hope to come out of this. It's sad to see what we see, mm -hmm. uh, what's happening in our streets to young people. But we we took down the Liberty Lands years ago. As a matter of fact, one of our meetings with some of the leaders the other day was talking about where, where do y'all see the investment? And we was talking about for the kingdom, like the zip line. How do we stretch it across the street, right? How do we run it down to the lake? Like, how do we build the combat? Because we stopped those investments. Kids are not. Uh, hope don't have the hope because they don't see nothing like this that say that y'all we curl. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's been a hidden secret. Y'all been showing for the kingdom that it, that we curl. And so, like, how do we blow this up? And, mm -hmm. and I thank God for you, Tor, and some of y'all vision here and what y'all are doing. And I, I can see it because I saw it before I seen it. And now it's about how can we make this thing manifest? And that's why I'm in a season of like, let's let's do the work yeah. and get it done. Yeah. So. So final two questions. Um, I knew I knew who you were, so we coined this this uh, this episode uh, "Legacy Living," mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, you're walking, talking, breathing it, right? Yeah. And um, so I guess the, the final two questions would be: What is your legacy? And you know, you've said a lot, a lot of great things, but leave leave our audience with something good. Tell us something good. So, yeah. what is your legacy? And tell us something good. Yeah, I would say my legacy would be the focus of uh, how are our children. Understanding that Jesus said, greater works shall you do. That how we live our children to do greater works than we done is what I fight for every day. I want to see my children where I tell Charlie, like, if I just make it to mirror, you supposed to be the president, right? Or his sister, you supposed to be the governor. Like, that's what I want to see all of us seeing for our children. Then the hurt that we felt for some of us that our parents really didn't curl because I came to understand they may have parents that they felt that didn't curl. And so how do we change the perception? How do we change the legacy of breaking cycles so that the next generation have something greater? I'm about to turn 50. I tell my babies all the time, I'm getting on the other side of this thing. Like if he said, a good man leave an inheritance for his, his children's, children's children. children. And my babies ain't even had no babies yet. So I won't be around to 100 to spend some years, 150, right, to spend those years with my children's children to see that what we done now is impacting them. That's that's the legacy. Mm. Yeah. It ain't even about me getting a Farrakh about one. I mean, we we just spent half a million of our own dollars in this city. So I could have yeah. went and bought a, me a Bugatti. I wanted one. <laughs> right. But no. Suicide doors. Let's do something for the next generation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Go so ahead, uh, all of the amazing things, the good and bad, right, that yeah. you've been through, the light that you've seen, the darkness you had to walk through, 
what is something good. Tell us something good to leave off. Yeah. I would just say for me that if we all can just understand it's not what's wrong, but really look down deep into what happened and understand that all of us have seen and fallen short of his glory and that at the end of the day, his story is going to be told. And the thing is how we live knowing that it's God's story through us and the legacy that we leave for the next generation for us is what uh, I, I will hope to see for all of us. And uh, so I just say, stay encouraged, you know, stay motivated. You know, I, I often say, and I was saying to my staff today, I said, um, the thing you focus on the most, you magnify. So make sure you're focusing on something positive if you want to see more positive. Because if you focus on the negative, you go, it's going to become bigger. And it's a small thing. It's often said that uh, only 15% of what we worry about actually happened. Yeah. Well, you left, left the other 85% of it not going to happen on the table. So now I get with how I'm going to change it. When I went bankruptcy before I my dealer, in one of my dealerships, I didn't focus on that was the end. I focused on how I'm going to go and do this all again. Now I'm not going to make those same mistakes. So then look at life lessons as life lessons learned and use that. Now I'm out of bankruptcy. My credit score is super good. We able to get money when we need it and get things done, right? Mm-hmm. You want to say, but if I would have stayed stuck there and I say this to somebody, uh, a lot of times you go to the graveyard, they say the richest place in the world is the graveyard. The thing I'm not caring about, I tell my baby all the time, baby, my credit, I take a risk with that because I'm not going, what am good is going to be me good with that 800 credit score on the grave? I take the risk so that y'all can have a legacy and have something to build off of and believe that God will bring us out of it. So, because mm-hmm. I've seen mm. he done it before, he'll do it again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow. Give you some of those. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah. Uh, the man, the myth, mm-hmm. the living legacy. That is Charlie Caswell. Yes, sir. We want to thank you uh, for coming on to tell me something good. I've got the feeling that this won't be the last time yeah. um, that we'll have you on the show uh, as you continue the good work. We speak uh, life and blessing and wealth over you, my brother, yeah. um, as you continue um, in a season of life of lifting our community. Yeah. Hmm. Plenty, plenty of work to do, man. But I thank God for you all, man, and to continue to do what you do. I mean, Tori, you know, I know you probably heard it much since you've been here. You've been a light, a, a whole different light. Of the reason why people know this place is here now because a light came out, and really, it's beaming for other people to see how we can do things in a better way hmm. in a different, uh, uh, you know, in this community. Hmm. So I just appreciate you as a visionary and what you're doing, and it motivates me. You know. We iron shop and iron. And so I always know, like, hey, I need to call Charlie. If you need, if I need to be checked on something, you are a brother who I can receive from because I know where your heart and where your work come from. Mm. So keep on doing the great things y'all doing. So yeah. Salute, salute, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. listening. Thank you to Nick at Night for once again another wonderful podcast. Summer J, any final words? Um, I hope that everybody gets um some amazing things from what you spoke today. Um, I know I did mm-hmm. personally um, that I can walk away with a lot of great things that I can go now and journal about and reflect on and see how I can put it into my life and my walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thank you yeah. for being the man that you are. Um, 
and being the man that you're going to continue to be. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. You stay motivated, Summer. I'm going to be like Summer one day. <laughs> right, me I'm too. I'm going to have Summer joy. Right. <laughs> summer time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, what will be your legacy? Um, how are you living today to push the next generation forward? Are you a person of action or a person of all talk? I think today we met a man who is definitely about that action. Mm. May his life motivate each one of us to know that all things are possible with God. Have a wonderful day. Tell me something good. <laughs> bow, bow. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs>